Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. A bonus episode, if you might add, at least for this week, considering that you just listened to a three and a half hour discussion on The Mist for its 15th anniversary. Well, we have a little bonus here because we have the star of that film and one of our favorite familiar faces in King's Dominion, Mr. Thomas Jane. Now, you're probably thinking, wait a second. You had Thomas Jane on five years ago. And you're right, we did. We did have Thomas Jane on five years ago. And honestly, after that conversation, which was supposed to be only 30 minutes and I think went a little long, longer than that, maybe over an hour, we talked about everything. <laughs> uh, I, I remember turning to Justin in, in our uh, former office and saying, well, that's it. We're never going to do that again. And well, we are doing that again. So famous last words, you know, eat and crow. Uh, but yeah, so this all kind of, uh, cause a wheel, everything kind of happened, uh, magically here, you know? So I knew that we were going to be doing an episode on the mist because, uh, you know, we wanted to continue this long watch series and it just so happened that, uh, Thomas Jane has a new movie out. It's called Slayers. He plays a ballsy vampire slayer named Elliot Jones. Uh, it's got, uh, Cara Hayward, Jack Donnelly, Lydia Hurst, Malin Ackerman, Abigail Breslin. It's pretty fun. It's on Hulu right now. You can get it on a VOD. Uh, he ran it through Renegade Entertainment, which is his own production company. And uh, we talk about that. And he also talks a little bit about, uh, gives an update on From a Buick 8, which uh, he's trying to get through Renegade. But we also talk about Hollywood leading men, internet culture and social media, which by the way, he was one of the, the, the first to leave Twitter long before Elon took over. And uh, Horace Big Comeback, he talks a little bit about uh, the room for more alternative comics, as you know, he's a uh, he's a big big name in uh, in that area. Not Marvel and the DC, all the stuff like that, but the the alt comics that we grew up with, really. Uh, and then also, you know, this is Stephen King podcast. Of course, we talked about growing up with King, his run of Stephen King movies. I point out that uh, I think it's been five, ten, fifteen between each movie. Yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, no, no, actually, it was five. 1520. Anyway, you'll hear it. Uh, he talks about that. Yeah, he adds which role is his favorite. And then, uh, you know, then we get into some other stuff as we're want to do, as anyone is want to do when you talk to Thomas Jane. Uh, I'm a huge fan of him. I never shut the fuck up about him on this podcast. I've been in his corner for a very long time, as you can hear on our missed episode, which, by the way, if you haven't heard that episode and you're just jumping here because you're a Jane head like me, go back, go listen to the missed episode. It's a great episode. We got Justin on there, we got Ashley on there, we got Rachel on there. Three and a half hours on arguably uh, one of the best Stephen King movies. But look, right now, it's time to sit back, maybe grab a cigar like Jane does, maybe grab uh, a drink like I do, and uh, enjoy our conversation. And uh, I'll see you next week over long days and close nights all right hey 
<laughs> See myself? Not yet. No, there you are. How you doing? Good. Well, look, thank you so much for doing this again. Uh, it's been five years, I think almost to the day since uh, we last chatted here on the Losers Club. And um, What was it about? Uh, we, you know, we were talking about 1922. Okay. And then we went into, I mean, it's one of my favorite chats. We just went into everything possible under the sun. I mean, we talked, mm. I think we talked Twin Peaks, The Replacements. Uh, it was wild. It was a, a wild chat. You have a prodigious memory. I, hey, you know, when it's a fun chat, I got to keep it somewhere locked up in the, in the old noggin. But oh, uh, right on. Yeah. Well, the, you know, I think the timing is good here because I absolutely love Slayers. I thought this is a, a, a blast. I love, I love when you can just kind of, I don't know, take control of a scene and mm. just kind of be the cool guy in control. And I, and I yeah. wanted to ask you, you know, because Elliot has so much swagger to him, but I think a lot of your characters have a lot of swagger. Interesting. And I wondered if there are any leads from the past, like Hollywood past that maybe you looked up to growing up, or maybe you even kind of think about when you're going into roles sometimes or, you know, when you, what, like, what uh, is cool to you? <laughs> oh, we, we've got a lot. I've got a lot of influences, you know, I mean, I've, I've obviously fell in love with cinema at a very early age and uh, you know, the, the, the byways and highways you can find in cinemas, you know, really big. I mean, it's not endless. There's a limited amount of, movies but damn it seems awful close especially when you start adding in all the foreign stuff yeah um so i've been influenced by by folks from uh from all over the world but i guess starting out clint eastwood watching spaghetti westerns with my dad on saturday night uh we never missed one every time they came on we'd watch it no matter how many times we'd seen it and, you know, that was sort of, I suppose, the beginning. I remember, uh, was it uh, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly played uh, one, uh, one weekend. And then Monday morning, I decided to borrow my mom's big, wide-brimmed hat. And she had like a serape. And I put that on. And I just showed up at school. You know, I mean, we're in elementary school, for God's sake. And I, I show up. <laughs> I show up with cowboy boots and a serape and, you know, this, this crazy, I think it was like a red hat that my mom had and just walked around the school, kind of trying to feel what it would feel like to be the man with no name. And, uh, you know, my buddy came up to me and goes, dude, I saw the good, the bad, the ugly too on Saturday night, take that shit off. <laughs> and uh, that was memorable i don't know it's like you start you start walking around as as these guys and i think film is so influential like that you know and then jimmy dean yeah when i was in high school of jimmy dean james dean wow you know i mean what a talent and every time i watch rebel without a cause uh i'm amazed all over again at how raw that guy was how he wore his all of these just turmoil of emotions on his sleeve and you could just everything was this painful and as a teenager you just relate to that so much so that was a big influence and then brando of course uh, discovered him a little bit later uh you know he you know he he'd be in like superman you know he'd yeah. be playing superman's dad and we'd be i'd be like who's that guy who's that old guy and uh, and then discovered sort of his earlier films and that had a big influence. Then, of course, you know, um, 
Harrison Ford, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, when that came out, Star Wars, you know, I, I liked Han Solo, but Raiders of the Lost Ark, man. Like Sam. that character just knocked me down because he was, he was, uh, he had foibles, you know, he was a clumsy. And, yeah, exactly. And he said the wrong things and, and, and he had a sense of humor and, uh, that that was a really big influence, you know. It's trying to find the vulnerabilities of people, and uh, uh, you know, and then it then it goes on from there, you know. And then you discover Steve McQueen. Oh, totally. Um, and then uh, Bogart. You know, you gotta love Bogart. Yeah, I've I think I've, I've seen most of Bogart's films. And I've seen him evolve. I saw him evolve that if you go back into his early stuff when he played bad guys, he didn't have, he wasn't Bogart yet, you know, and you could see him start to add these pieces of his character as his, as you watch his career progress until he becomes suddenly Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. You know, uh, I saw Jack Nicholson do that, you know, and you see Jack Nicholson's early movies like Easy Rider, or then some of that weird sci-fi shit that he did but, but way back in the day and yeah and he did the old independent 60s independent movie he wasn't jack nicholson yet and then so you sort of saw him sort of come alive uh, at, at some point and and come into his own and those people had influences on me because I, as an artist i got to see the progression of uh of how people sort of wear who they are yeah yeah, and I, I mean, I see all that DNA for sure. I mean, the, the 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 comment about Ford and Raiders really sticks out to me because what I love about a lot of the heroes that you play on screen, and sometimes anti-heroes, is the idea that you know they aren't perfect, that there are imperfections. I mean, I think that's kind of what I'm exhausted with a lot of the, the, the mm. stuff today, is mm. that it just feels like all the superheroes have an answer. <laughs> it's like it's right. it's far more interesting when you know the lead is kind of like. It's like what he says in, in Raiders. It's like, I'm making this shit up as I go. I mean, that, that yeah. to me is just so much more interesting. So I want to talk about the theme for a bit of the film because, you know, so much of Slayers is about, you know, the, the vapidity of the internet celebrity. And, and I think what I, what I really connected with is the idea that these internet celebrities or just celebrity in general can be so easily capitalized and commodified and corrupted by larger entities. And I, you know, and I wondered, given... Uh, your recent history of Twitter and kicking it out of your life. Is this a subject that concerns you? Is this something that you think about a lot? And that is that what drew you to the project? Well, I mean, I started a company called Renegade in 2019 yeah. for the express purpose of finding genre movies that were left of center, that bent, bent the frame somehow, you know, and, and that were intelligent and that, that hit all the notes of a good genre movie, but also made you you know, they they had a point of view that, you know, they're smart. And also they're talking about, if you're lucky, you can find stuff that's talking about what's going on mm -hmm. in the world right now. And I think people need that in their art. They need that in their music. They need that in the books that they read. We need a reflection of some sane or insane, doesn't matter, point of view, but we need a point of view that we can see like these, these are humans living in the same world that I'm living in. And this is what they're seeing, you know, and wh whether they're right or wrong, or I agree with them or not, I'm watching a reflection of myself in the world now. So that drew me to uh, Slayers that we got to, that we got to play with uh, some of the 
themes that we're being inundated with as a society now, one of them being that the world has been taken over by a cabal of vampires. <laughs> I think I think that that's not too far off the mark. It's not, to tell you, no. To tell you the truth. And so that was um, exciting to be able to bring to life. Yeah, I mean, and I think when you think about the internet itself is, I always go back to like Bowie, Bowie's quote about the, uh, about the internet back in the late nineties, where he talked about how it was like an alien life, you know, it's like this thing that's exhilarating and terrifying all at once. And we don't really know what we've have in our hands. It's kind of like the tip of the iceberg that we would only hit. Right. You know, it's taking it, on a life of its own. Hasn't right. It? Yeah. And like, do you think that it's kind of like a Pandora's box situation at this point? Like, or even like what it says in the movie, this mm -hmm. sort of like epidemic almost where it's just kind of like an unstoppable thing that will just, I don't know, it's uncontrollable by us. And at this point, well, that's the problem. And the problem is that it is controllable when it, when it came out, when the internet came out in the nineties, I was there. Yeah. And I, I, I waited for um, uploads, you know, when you wanted to watch a three minute clip, you had to <laughs> upload and then sometimes they'd give you, and it would took minutes. And sometimes they gave you a little game to play while you waited, a simple mm -hmm. little stupid game to play yeah. while you're waiting for something to upload. And then it uploads and then it's ready and yeah. then you watch it. And that opened up this entire world of uh, humanity, you know, but also what they knew, what they thought. So you had this forum where people could just be stupid and they, and then the anger started coming out you know where people had this outlet where they could say whatever the hell they wanted to whoever the hell they wanted to in whatever way they wanted to and they were vicious mm -hmm. you know and there still are i mean they're they're yeah. vicious you know and they're working out some horrible so it's the dark side of humanity and then there's also the knowledge that you can gain about all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, all the way from the really complicated scientific principles that people are working on, you know, down to the history and the real history of world war and uh, of countries. And then you start, in my mind, started seeing a narrative take place that was completely different than what I'd been taught in school about America yeah. about, about all, uh, the world in ways that were really fresh and a perspective, right? Totally. And then you had an obligation, if you were curious and interested in whatever subject that might be, you have an obligation to do your due diligence and research points of view that you find compelling, but are they true? So then we all had to become sort of investigative reporters in finding who are the sources, who is writing this, who is paying them, who benefits, cui bono, uh, where am I getting this and why, uh, you know, and then those uh, questions and answers lead you further down a rabbit hole. So all of this provided uh, access to information that we've never had before. And then people who are interested in something can then hook up and debate it and talk about it and work out the truths because the truth is so complex. And it's, I guess the truth is simple, but our understanding of what that truth is, is really complex. And mm -hmm. we have a lot of barriers, personal, professional, societal, societal barriers that we have to overcome in order to understand the truth. And these things are dangerous 
to people who want to be in control. They're dangerous totally. because the truth is dangerous. We still live in a society where secrecy is a currency, right? Where secret secrets are power, secrets yeah. are powerful. And so right away, you've got this massive machine that you're up against, which essentially says that's all bullshit. That's a conspiracy. And in fact, we don't talk about conspiracies because if you do, then you're nuts. You're yep. a loon. You're outcast. We no longer, you no longer have a seat at the table because you're talking about stuff that's wacky. Yep. That has been erected as a barrier between ourselves and the truth. And that's, you know, germane to the character elliot jones he's a guy searching for the truth yeah so that journey is so important and you can tell how dangerous it is by the resistance that we're getting from the machine by the people who are pulling the strings behind the curtain who don't want you to know they're there but now we do know they're there the internet has exposed something yeah. called the deep state in a way that everyone just thought was a bunch of bullshit and nobody had time to even contemplate but now these things are starting to run our lives in ways that are really uncomfortable i don't want to be canceled for for thing for my opinion about things, you know, and I don't want to have be knowledge used as a weapon against yeah. the society that would that is, you know, in the innocent quest for knowledge. Because knowledge is power. You know, we have when we have the knowledge, we can make decisions that are informed in reality. And this is dangerous. Yeah. Okay. This is dangerous to people who want to control us. And that's why we're seeing such this massive resistance lately. So in the 90s, the internet had all this possibility of basically being a freedom machine, that we were free, our minds were free, that we had information at our fingertips. And democracy was literally in the hands of the people. And we're seeing this being eroded right now. We're seeing it being stripped away. The power of the people is a real thing. It's, it, 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 we really do run the world if we have the balls to do it and you know most of us just kind of want to be told what to do it's true but if we're being told what to do by powers that don't have our best interests in mind then we need to wake up to that we need to wake up to that what is your relationship currently with like social media at this point you try to like keep it as much away from your life as possible or is it more of just a functionality any- I don't have any room in my head for social media. I'm really interested in stuff that I'm interested in and I do research on it all the time. And I'm on my own journey of discovery of finding, you know, of throwing out ideas of uh, adopting ideas of challenge, being challenged uh, with those ideas and then evolving, you know, I'm evolving. So I don't have time, uh, for social media, it's it's a tool like anything else, and I think it can be used for good. Um, but mostly, I see uh, apathy, um, echo chambers. Yeah. I see uh, um, weaponization of yeah. society. I see, I see things being, you know, blown out of proportion that have no real impact on most people's real lives. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Distract you by getting you to care about some bullshit. And then the massive amounts of disinformation. And I mean, the real disinformation. And that usually comes from mainstream media, 
mainstream media is a disinformation machine. I think Noam Chomsky recently came out and said, we have more propaganda in this country now than the Soviets did in the 80s and 90s when they were full on totalitarian communist country, which they're not anymore. So erecting false enemies and using misinformation, disinformation, and just plain old fucking lying to control people is the most dangerous thing happening in our world right now. Yeah. I mean, and that's honestly one of the the big horrors that I, 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 I try not to think about too much on a day to day, but this movie certainly uh, subtly taps at it uh, at, at points and ways where I, I just, I couldn't help but think of that was just real, the core uh, themes are drawing at. It's just this, this idea that, you know, we think of vampires as this thing that is a, a thing of fiction and yet it's been right there before our eyes if you did the research. And that's kind of just a good commentary on just how things are in general these days, I feel like. I just think, yeah. you know, it's just do the legwork in a little bit and you'll probably find the clarity there. Um, but horror, right. I, wanted, I, I want to talk about horror for a second because it's clearly having a moment right now in the okay. box office. You know, it, it never really goes away, but I feel like the box office this year has just been wild. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, and, Interesting. And I'm wondering, is that, has that caught your eye with Renegade? You know, is that something that, is this like a, a genre that you're you're trying to chase with Renegade? Uh, you know, we we're trying to chase whatever comes across our desk that we feel like we could get behind and 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 have a chance of making. Where if Renegade didn't exist, this movie may have no chance of getting made. So those are little jewels, right? They're, they're, they're hard to find and they're precious when you do find them. And then putting in the time, and of course, we've only have so much bandwidth. So putting in the, making the decisions about which one to really get behind and put our effort and energy into getting made is also a decision. So not looking for any particular genre, rather we're looking for the artist, the writer, the director, who we feel that we want to get behind, put our weight behind and, and get stuff made that normally otherwise wouldn't have the chance. And whether that's horror, science fiction, crime, action, all of those things are on the table. Horror movies do not come around. You know, I mean, I, I'm glad they're having a moment, but finding a good horror movie is not easy. Yeah. You know, there's so much crap and the horror audiences are loyal. They'll watch any kind of bullshit you put in front of them. <laughs> and true. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. You know, and they, they stick to the genre and they make sure that the genre has, uh, gets made. People, yeah put money behind uh, horror. But, you know, that leaves that leaves you open to, to just wading through mountains of crap to get to something good. And that, you know, it's it's hard. It's not easy. And every single idea under the sun has already been a, uh, attacked at least once. You're looking for maybe not something that's so original, but something that has an, has an original way of telling the story or says something vital about what needs to be said right now well one story you did have that i mean look this is a stephen king podcast so i have to ask about it is yeah. uh from a okay and yeah. one of my favorite stories and we actually just revisited it uh last month and i swear to god i can't i can't the whole entire time reading it i was like you're sandy you have to play. i mean if you're going to be doing this movie you got to be sandy right. so i, yeah. I wondered I got it. So what's the latest? Is there any update on this? Because we're dying to see this movie come out. Yeah, we are. You know, the latest on the, on Buick 8 is, from Renegade's perspective, has been put on hold for the time being while we're attacking other projects. And Buick 8 might come back around to us. We're certainly huge fans. 
we've got a couple of really strong writers who I won't tell you who they are right now, but but when the time is right to pull a trigger on that thing, we're going to put everything we've got into it and just really talented people behind it. Um, and uh, I have to, I have to, uh, I have to check and see what the status is on that in terms of, of Renegade's involvement with it. Um, Buick 8 did wonderful things for us because when we got the rights to the book, we opened the doors for, for making other movies and getting the attention of other producers and financiers. Yeah. So certainly very near and dear to, uh, to the Renegade heart. And, um, you know, I've been a King fan since I can't yeah. tell you when. I guess it was my mom. I had the good fortune of being born into a family of readers. My mother and thing. my father. It's a good thing avid readers every night every afternoon that they had a free couple of hours you'd always see my folks with a book and they read to me when I was little and I read to my daughter and I I, I passed that on you know I, I knew how important it was to me so I read to her every night put her to bed with a story every night we read books together chapter by chapter and uh and I and that's essential, you know, to any any parents out there, you know, reading and finding stuff that's a, just a little bit over their age range, you know, find stuff that titillates them just enough that they understand it, but not all the way. That kind of thing was really influential on on me and my mother let me read pretty much anything. And, you know, they were pretty liberal in that regard. Uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of money when we were growing up. My dad was ended up starting three businesses and doing very well. But when we were little, um, on Saturday night, date night, me and my sister would come with my mom and dad to the movie, <laughs> you know, because they didn't have money for a babysitter. Yeah. So, uh, I had a great experience where we went to a drive-in movie theater. We had a VW van bus, a VW bus and, and, and an army blanket. And me and my sister would hide under the blanket so that mom and dad could only had to pay for two tickets to get in. <laughs> and, uh, and we park and then we, we'd set up those speakers on the window and I watched Mad Max like that. Oh man. Yeah. It was absolutely stunning. Mad max God damn. in the original it had just come out it wasn't playing in a lot of theaters but it was the original they ended up dubbing it with american accents and releasing it this is before that this was the original australian version we could barely understand what anybody was talking about but that was super influential uh on me experiences okay. like that you know and i was just a kid i mean i shouldn't have been watching mad max you know in in today's world but but we did, and those experiences, uh, you know, left an indelible mark. Seems like pop culture has just been a big part of your life from the get go. Has it always just been an film, escape for you? Film, film, and books and comic books. You know, that's you know, of course, music. Yeah, I was a punk rocker. I loved anything, anything alternative. You know, the alternative um, music. The uh, you know, discovering Charles Bukowski in my twenties, John Fonte uh any, anything left of center you know i guess reading henry miller when i was too young to read it oh man like that kind never of too stuff, young <laughs> yeah that kind of stuff was really influential and i've tried to reflect that in the choices that i make uh in the movies i i am a fan of genre but i'm also a fan of the alternative voice 
Well, uh, and I think that the alternative independent voices are needed now more than ever. hundred percent. When yeah. we're being controlled by a machine that everyone seems to be a slave to recently, it's no good. It's well, that's not good. I, I mean, uh, I wanted to ask about that because I mean, comics is an area that you have a very big, you know, you flex your muscles in that, in that capacity. And, you know, we live in this era where everyone assumes that, well, comics are the rage right now, but I have always argued that like, it's not weird enough. Like, I just feel like it's kind of like, they're only really hit the surface with comic books at this point right now. It's like, you get the superheroes out there. Sure. But like, there is just like, as you're saying, there is a whole alternative scene when it comes to comics out there. And it's like, right. do, do you feel like this is kind of like unexplored territory still at this point? I mean, I feel like the nineties had a better coverage than today's 90s were big for independent, uh, comics, you know, it was huge. And, um, that's, they're still around. Yes. The alternative independent voice in comics is the only way to go. I steer clear of all the superhero stuff. I steer clear of Marvel DC, um, some dark horse stuff I'll pick up, uh, some image stuff I'll pick up, but I really love the independent smaller companies and have since the eighties with Pacific totally. comics, Pacific comics, uh, did this great run in the eighties for just a few years, but it was the rocketeer, God, uh, yeah. twisted tales, twisted tales, alien worlds, Bruce Jones. He, he ran the, the, that for, for a minute. He had all the great artists. He had Bernie Wrightson and Richard Corbin and, and they, and he told really great stories that were inspired by the old EC comics. And that had a huge influence on me. So I love crime, the crime books. Uh, some I'm a myself pre-code pre-code horror. The yeah. comics code came out in response to these brutal uh, stories that they were putting out ostensibly for kids. But, you know, I've got some covers here. I've got the, my underground uh, pre-code horror collection is, is some of my favorite stuff, you know, because you've got you got a woman's head, a decapitated woman being dropped down a manhole. You got a guy with a bullet in the middle of his head. He'd just been shot. You get a guy who's been radiated by radium and half <laughs> his face is melted off. I mean, that's, man, when you're, when you're like 12, 13 years old, that's gold. Oh, absolutely. And I kind of feel like it's missing from a lot of, I don't know, lack of a better word, mainstream pop culture. I mean, that that's my biggest thing with, with horror a lot these days is that I wish it was more merciless. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of love the EC comic right. stuff where it's just like, most of the time it's like this sort of Canterbury tales, twilight zone, -y, like twist at the end where you're like, Oh, they're fucked. Like there's no way out of this. Like, and you just don't really get that as much anymore. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's funny. Cause you were in a movie called before I wake. Uh -huh. And I love the ending of that movie. Cause it's just, so it doesn't pull its punches. It's just like, all right, well hey. they're screwed. It's it, you know, um, right, right, right. and, and I, I kind of just, I wish that there was, you know, they could kind of pummel a little bit in that, in that respect. We, but, um, we need to be pummeled a little bit right now. You know, we've been through some of the hardest uh, Amer stuff in American society in the last yeah. couple of years, the impact of which is still being felt, the fallout, who knows how long it's going to go on. But, you know, I guess the saying is that there is no, there is no return to normal, you know, yeah. that the, we've, we've been altered in ways that we're not going to come back from. And also, uh, we all need to be a little more politically aware lately. Now, mm -hmm. we need to take the reins and, and try to steer this country uh, toward freedom. 
you know, uh, freedom is is uh, the 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 ground that the whole edifice was built upon, and I think people are kind of forgetting that a little bit, and the shock power that movie that horror genre has is is really necessary and it's necessary now and i hope that people have been influenced by this experience and are writing uh, some stuff now that that does that doesn't pull its punches that is hard hitting yeah. it does you know kind of wake us up we need we need as many wake up calls as we can get and we need them fast yeah. we need a swift kick in the ass well you've certainly been a part of uh a few of those endings. I already mentioned before I wake, but I think the biggest one is one that's actually celebrating its anniversary this year, The Mist, which is, oh, yeah. I mean, I just remember sitting in the theater and that ending hits and everyone just being like, what? Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, um, so I wanted to ask, cause this is actually, I didn't realize this, but until I was doing numbers and this, so this year it's 20 years since Dreamcatcher, it's 15 since The Mist. And it's wow. five since 1922. So you ha- you're on a kind of a nice little uh, scale here going there. Um, oh, that. That's interesting. You know, so we have our picks, but I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think, what do you think brought out the best Jane <laughs> out of those three? Out of the Stephen King? You know, yeah. I got to tell you, the perf- I really enjoyed my performance. You know, I really enjoyed working on 1922. Oh, yep. I, I really loved that. that character. It was a character that kind of leapt out of the page at me when I was reading it. It was actually a story that I hadn't read of King until I got sent the script. So I got to read the script and then go back and read the novel Let. It's a novella. Yeah. Uh, or like a really long short story or a really short book. And, uh, and, and that character uh, grabbed me and brought out my grandfather, who was from Alabama, and uh, worked with his hands and uh, was a Navy man, and was just kind of an overall strange dude. Yeah. And it was always a little bit frightened of him. I did, we didn't go down and see him too much, you know, uh, down Alabama. But when we did go, it was like visiting this alien world where the smells <laughs> were different. The people are really different. They have, they, they had those accents, the Alabama accent. And uh, that left a uh, mark on me that I was able to exercise with 1922. So I guess that's sort of personal, that character is sort of personal to me in a way that some of the other ones aren't. No, that definitely spoke to us. I mean, I think, I mean, when we talked last time, I think we were kind of praising on the performance, but I, I mean, five years later, what I loved about that movie, and especially since we've been on the King beat for the last five years, is that it really did kind of promise a new type of King movie. You know, like it just kind of opened up the door to like, well, this is a story you haven't heard before. And it's also darker than most of the movies that we have. Like, it's a very dark film. And that's why I kind of think makes it so timeless. You know, I I, I almost feel like if you go for the jugular, sometimes it kind of it kind of lasts time a little bit more. But um, absolutely. You know, we got to go for the jugular. We need it more than ever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That one that one was dark and, and we didn't shy away from from that no, yeah, no there's actually some humor in there we like when he's when he's got the cow over the well and the cow falls through the uh, in, into the well and, and you know it's, it's, there's some funny bits but but uh overall pretty dark yeah uh, absolutely <laughs> um well when we talked you also mentioned that you know the the mist working with darabont 
was kind of like film school for you. And I'd wonder, you know, do you and Frank still keep in touch? And that work on the miss also kind of influence you to, to where you're at with uh, renegade right now. Absolutely. You know, Frank said he invited me into the editing room. He's like, yeah, come on by, you know, and I showed up and I showed up every day. I showed up five days a week and just sat on the couch behind Frank and the editor and just listened and watched. And I watched this movie come out of their hands and I learned so much. And Frank said, you know, I invite a lot of people over to the editing room, but nobody's ever taken me up on it. And you, you show up every day. And, uh, you know, I stayed out of the way and, 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 and was quiet. And every now and then Frank would ask my opinion on something. Other than that, I kept my mouth shut and, 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 and watched, listened and learned. Have you seen, uh, I mean, I don't know if you know, know but in like over the summer, the, it really took on a new mass appeal. Like it was in like the top 10, the mist was for like, I think I like did two read months. That. Somebody sent me, uh, somebody sent me something and, uh, yeah. And that, I was always a little mystified. Why do you think that mystified? I know the nice point there. Yeah. That was? I think a lot of it has to just do with the fact that it's, you were discussing before is this, we're coming out of a hard time. And although that movie does go for the jugular, there is something sort of, um, I don't know, maybe not hopeful is the right word, but there's something comforting in seeing everyone kind of go together through this kind of mm. clustered environment and mm. kind of get through it together in a weird way. Like I, I, that's kind of my own personal read of it. It is sort of comforting in seeing like the human condition in these awful fucking miserable situations right, right, um right. so i don't know maybe that's it or maybe it's just i don't know because it's a great bottled uh, tension movie i mean like a one location thriller or one location horror film i think that i think it speaks volume sometimes because it's just uh, i think you nailed it it's it's people being in thrust into a pressure cooker situation where they couldn't leave the grocery store where everything outside was unknown and gonna kill you uh, it was a great metaphor for this fucking pandemic, isn't it? Yeah. They were, they were all reacting in different ways. They, everybody was losing their mind in a different way. There was no one right answer you know, for how to deal yeah. with the world suddenly just shifting on a dime and changing everything right away. I mean, it really was a lockdown yeah. on, uh, in, in the mist. And I, I think you nailed it. Well, it's very prescient, very prescient. I always fuck that up. But anyway, um, so I have I have one question I have to ask because one of the bits that we've done on, with my friends for the last 10, 15 years is the is homeless dad. Homeless um, yeah. So I gotta ask, it's one of our favorite bits. It's uh from Arrested Development. Yeah. Who came who came to you with the idea of playing yourself on Arrested Development? And was this something that you were like, oh yeah, I'm game for it. I'm come let me let oh, me come in. Yeah, right away. I mean, they did. They came to me and they said, Hey, we got this uh thing. We're wanting to come in for a couple of days and uh it's homeless dad. And I was like, This is great. This is fantastic. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, every now and then I get asked to do a little cameo uh, like like that. The other one was uh, was uh, playing the uh, vegan police. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and they kind of resonate with people. I'm uh, very, uh, you know, uh, grateful to have been invited to do a couple of things like that. I, I think they can be a lot of fun. And sometimes they resonate and they stick around, they last. 
Well, do they, do you ever have people come up to you and ask you to say, I just want my kids back? I mean, it feels like that's like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've said it in our friends group. No, it's been, it's been a minute, but yeah, there was a period (laughs) where it seemed like everywhere I went, somebody asked me to say, I just want my kids back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I can't, on our text threads, we either have that or we have Jason Bateman's reaction to it where he's just like staring at it. But uh, yeah. So so thank you for that. But um, it's been great. But uh, so last question I wanted to ask is uh, I knew that, you know, last time we spoke, we did talk about the replacements and I wanted to wonder, you know, what are you listening to these days? Like what, what, what's getting you going? Is there, you know, any records per se that you've been coming back to that you're like, fuck, this is a great record. Wow. That's, that's really a good question. Let me look and see what I've been listening to. (laughs) Well, um, I've been getting into the, the, Oh yeah. You're good. The, the is really good. If you want to hear a great song, this is the day that song keeps cycling. You know, it has these periods where it'll come up, and I'll just get obsessed with that song all over again. The The has a, a, lot, a lot of great songs, but that that's probably my favorite right now. This is The the Day. Yeah. And um, gosh, who's, who's been around recently? I usually hear something in a, in a coffee shop or, yeah. uh, you know, walking down the street, or I like to tune into public radio and listen to their that and so that and then when i find it this beautiful app called shazam oh yeah yeah use it all the time I have shazam so much cool shit and uh and these people normally I, it's just that one song and and i don't uh but if you want to get in uh, uh, G, uh what's her name Ju, uh valerie june yeah Val, valerie june has some really cool stuff um, it's a few years old now. Shit, it's probably 10 years old now. But I've been getting into her a little bit, Valerie June. She's got a great voice. Yeah. And she's put together some really cool stuff. Let's see. Uh, uh, my daughter <laughs> hooked me up with Tame Impala. Oh, they're awesome. They're just such a blast. Yeah. yeah. They're really fun. And then I, I was a big Kate Bush fan back in the day. And the Chromatics have a really great. Oh, man. Cover. Yeah. You got a great cover of running up that hill. I've been into that. Yeah, chromatics are wonderful. I mean, they did a lot of the uh, the the score for um, you know, like Twin Peaks and like Drive and all. And like, I, I'm a huge, huge chromatics fan. Um, right. L.A. Right. guys, I think the too. Twin Peaks stuff is really good. So good. So that's good. that's good. Yeah, I'm always looking on the lookout for for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It took me a while to shake that stuff, but uh, well, look, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I I'm hoping to God that we get this Buick out of the garage. I want to see, I mean, do you think you're going to star in it if you if it gets a, gets going? Oh yeah, I'll play a part. I'll you got to play, play Sandy. Yeah. You got to play Sandy. Up, I'm leaving the parts open to see who who we get and who wants to play what, but I'll I'll squeeze myself in there somewhere. Okay, well, fingers crossed, because uh, we we love to see you. It's just, it's not a Stephen King movie if we don't see you in there. So, you know, I know. I oh, thanks, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, yeah well, big fans, big fans. There's still a lot of, king to be done you know it's finding that balance between the you got to find a way of capturing the king vibe and that's why darabont you know was so beloved because he really found a way into that king vibe and that's a special place that king, that king lives in that he's able to create over and over again it's it's a familiar you know the people you're deeply connected to them the world is just shifted 
just a little bit. And finding that sweet spot is the key to, uh, to King. Well, I think you're a skeleton key for a lot of it too. So uh, kudos yeah. to everything you got going and uh, I'm looking forward to see what you got going on next. So thanks, thanks a lot. Have a great it. evening. You bet. You too, Mike. See you. Later. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. But you know you want somebody to treat you good. This is the end of our show. For now. Tune in next week. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>